In a world where horrid stenches and piercing screams come not from the realms of fantasy, but from the nightmare of reality. Come two heroes bonded by love and the kind of desperation only parents can know. No, God, please, no, no, no! Behold, RPGs and Baby Makes Three, the greatest podcast in the history of all podcasts by parents who have made a podcast about being gamers with a baby. Did I mention it's a podcast? Here are your hosts, Gretchen Hilmers and Rob Hessler. Episode 9, probably our favorite topic is this episode. Food. Yeah, it is my favorite. <laughs> We're going to be talking about food on this episode, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. We're going to go to... Too few desserts. Just going to say it. We didn't make a lot of desserts. No, we didn't. What's wrong with us? I don't know. What's our problem? We, we did make... stop this now and go make desserts. <laughs> we made two desserts. One of them was terrible. We'll get into the details on that, but we're going to actually... Three. We made three desserts? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we did. We made three desserts. Yeah. But but one of them was really terrible. The other two were good. Um, one was really good. Uh, but we're, So, yeah, we're going to talk about food on this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what we're going to do is we're going to spend the entire episode, well, once we get rolling, in the common room. And we're going to be talking about several books that offer recipes to go along with your gaming. So we're going to end up talking about the leaves from the end of the last home book and its follow-up. More Leaves from the Inn of the Last Home by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. A books that came out in the late 80s, early 90s and are related to the Dragonlance D&D setting. We're going to go through the Supernatural, the official cookbook, Burgers, Pies, and Other Bites from the Road. I mm, almost want to give a spoiler there, but I'm not going to give a spoiler on that one. We are going to also talk about Heroes Feast, the official D&D cookbook. And last but not least, we're going to dive into, well, I guess we're going to say we're going to take a bite out of Recipe for Adventure, (laughs) a series of cards and recipes by the folks that bring you RPG Crate. But let's get, we're going to talk about all of those, but let's get started. Let's roll for initiative. They see me rolling. Some people are born lucky. Let's roll. Roll for initiative. All right, let's talk about our week in gaming, or I guess our last two weeks in gaming. There's been some pretty good gaming, I would say. Yeah. So we tried Low Stakes, the GM-less game based on what What we do in the shadows. shadows. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that was a good game. I had a really terrible work message come through like an hour into it, which kind of really shook me. Um, So it made me hard to focus. And we had one player who actually had never seen the show or the movie before, which, uh, you know, you probably want to have seen the show and the movie before you play it. Although he's a great role player, so he could, you know, come up with something. But I think 
it gave me enough of a taste to say that's gonna that's a great game. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. It's available now for like twelve bucks or something like that on Drive Through RPG and sites like that. And that was part of your Zine Quest. It was. Right? It was Zine Quest three. And this developer does um, Nerdburger Games does a lot of different games, including one based on Quantum Leap that I actually funded as well. We have in house. I need to check that out. Yeah, we're gonna check that out. That's a two player <laughs> game. So you and I will will do that. We'll have to find a night where we can try that out but yeah low stakes what we do in the shadows if you're a fan i mean the mechanics were perfectly in tune with the show yeah yeah i will say though it's a little weird switching up doing npcs and stuff like that was that was a i mean it's a gmless game so you just you just kind of have to share all those responsibilities and right so basically the way it works is in every scene there is a lead character there are the secondary characters, and then one of the players takes on the role of the extras. And so that person is then, you know, basically plays all the NPCs, kind of describes the scenes and all of that. It kind of makes it so one of the players is essentially the game master in every scene. But I liked that. I thought different people had different, you know, methods of dealing with that. And I thought it was a really great way for you to kind of try your hand in a way at Yeah, I still GMing. haven't done my game, my Supernatural game. Boy, yeah. life, gets, uh, life gets away with you. It gets busy, yeah. But, I mean, you got to kind of be a little bit of a game master in this GM-less game. Yeah. But the mechanics are really great. It, it was, it's very simple. You basically almost always fail. But sometimes you can <laughs> you can succeed. But that's kind of the point, like, is getting into complications and foibles and stuff. And there are these, basically, scenarios, and you roll on tables for scenarios. Our scenario was hosting a party. Mm -hmm. And the things that happened during Halloween the party. party. It was a Halloween party, that's yeah. right. Because you could randomly roll, roll what type of party it was. And there's different things that can happen. Um, you know, for example, we had, like... There's no food or drink was one of the roles that came up in one of the scenes. The police the showed up. The power goes out. The power went out. Yeah. And so, like, there's these things that happen. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I would definitely recommend that out. Again, like, it's like 12 bucks or something plus shipping at drive through RPG. And it's like, you don't, once you know the rules, you, like, you can play it in a night. An hour or two is basically the, the runtime with about a 30 to 45 minute setup where you're making the characters and rolling for, like, what scene you're going to play. So, you can probably count on two and a half hours or less. You know, if you have your normal gaming group and let's say somebody can't show, so you don't want to play your normal campaign, or maybe the DM can't make it and the rest of you still want to play, it'd be the perfect kind of game to just like throw in there and play. Mm -hmm. You know? Lighthearted and just fun. Yeah. Because totally. you could throw in some other games, which would be just, you know, emotionally traumatizing. Yeah, but you know what's kind of funny is that is that it is lighthearted and fun, but I kind of want to play my character again. The oh, same one God, I played. No, your character is so disgusting. <laughs> I played a an emotional vampire who was psychic vampire. A psychic vampire, yes, right. A psychic vampire who was an anachronism, so he was stuck in the sixteen hundreds. But he was like a foodie, basically, and he was kind of this like morbidly obese foodie character. And it, part of his powers were that whenever whoever he was feeding on, he could taste what they last ate. So he was enjoying that, and he was very kind of obnoxious. But I really, I had fun. And my character was a vampire made in the 80s who was still pretty well steeped in the 80s with an obsession with David Hasselhoff. That was so awesome. That was so <laughs> funny. He, like, picked up the pizza boy. 
She picked up the pizza boy who came to deliver the food and ended up using makeup and stuff to transform him into David Hasselhoff. (laughs) It was really funny. And then you all set him on fire. Yeah, but then I gave him a wig because it burned his hair off. One of my powdered wigs. They just ruined it for her. (laughs) (laughs) But it's great because they have the confessional scene. So something crazy will happen and then you can choose to do a confession uh, video where, you know, I think at one point once... um, Hasselhoff was set on fire, switched over to Sandra, and she's like, this is where I realized he and I could never make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so and you can you can come in with a, a confessional at any time. I mean, you're supposed to be thinking of this just like the show, so there's like a camera crew there, and you're all roommates. So we had one of our roommates was a hunter, and like we had this funny thing where like he just never noticed that we were doing like vampire-y things or monster-y <laughs> things like in the background. Well, Sponsored by Monster Energy Drinks. Yeah, and he was talking about that the whole time. As you can hear in our voice, it was a lot of fun. And we're actually going to be playing it again this coming week. So that'll be a lot of fun with a new different group of people. So we'll see how that goes and we'll report back on that. Also played the Dragonlance game. And what I thought was interesting, which of course I run, it's an AD&D second edition Dragonlance game, and we're on session 55, I believe, was the last session. So we've been playing for quite a while now, and a lot of investment there. But what was so cool is, like, the last session was really great, deep role-playing. It was just a really good role-playing. And once again, Tick-Tick has all the great ideas. <laughs> Tick-Tick did have great ideas. But it was neat, because, like, there was tension without there being combat. And I think that's something that I love in games that have a strong combat mechanic like Dungeons and Dragons, where really combat is as much of a part of it as role playing, when you can create that tension without having any combat. And I think everybody had a good time. Like mm-hmm. by the end of the session, everybody was enjoying it. That's what I really love about our group is we just like to laugh and have fun even in mundane situations. It's, yeah, it's... I agree. That's the point of the gaming. We always talk about that. The yeah. point of gaming is to have fun. I'm still playing in this Krakenheim game as well, AD&D 2nd Edition every Friday. And this Dungeon Master, Chris, is really great at creating tension as well without there being combat. Like, we were trying to stop this... Basically, we're ice barbarians, and there's this. there was this sort of magical device which was creating this massive glacier which was going to eventually overtake the entire valley that is the civilization where the ice barbarians are. And we were trying to use magic to basically reset this monolith to being a protective thing rather than something that was hurting us. My character is not a magic-y type, and he's... Think Conan the Barbarian or Fafford from from the Lankmar books, Fritz Lieber's Lankmar books. But anyway, so we were um, we were doing that. But what was so great is that it wasn't a combat encounter. It was trying to get this magic. But the cavern was like shaking apart and rumbling, and ice was falling everywhere. And we were feeling so tense while we were trying to do this. And it was no combat, and we were like almost dying, taking damage. Had to climb down this cliff and like get down and it felt like whoa right at the edge of my seat and yeah again no combat in that and then we got to this area where we had to pass through and there were all these basically he decided described them as sofa sized ice crickets or ice grasshoppers that were leaping around and they weren't like inherently violent so we didn't want to just like go in and start murdering giant ice crickets 
Instead, we wanted to get through it. So, but he just created this, like, we were just very tense. Like, we're trying to use fire. Like, imagine, um, what's that Vin Diesel movie where... Pitch Black. Pitch Black. Triple X. Pitch Black. You know, there's a scene well, in the movie. Well, was talking about ice, so I was like, okay, isn't there Oh, a yeah, he does snowboarding, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But in, in Pitch Black, and if you know the Chronicles of Riddick and, like, who Riddick is and stuff... Is that in Pitch Black, there are these monsters that are basically, they come out when it becomes Pitch Black, when it becomes, there's like a, a day of, of entire darkness. And they come out and they just ravage the world. And so they have to use fire to keep them away. And there's a scene where they're moving across the landscape and they're trying to keep these monsters at bay with the little bit of fire that they have. And all of the monsters are just outside of that area of light. That's how it felt when we were moving through those crickets, is they were just outside of our area of light and we were trying so hard not to get killed by them. And then they would kind of like leap near the light and we had to like, that's when we made rolls to like, oh, did they get us? Did they hit us? Did one, and we made it through. But it felt like so tense. And then we ended on the scene where like we go through this passageway, we get to this other thing and there's still these crickets there. And then there's this big monstrous crab monster, ice crab that grabs one of the crickets and eats it and it's huge. And so like now we're in the room with this giant ice crab, which is probably gonna be a combat scene. But it was like the whole session was this really great tension of just moving through an environment, no combat, but it, I mean, it was as good as any game I've played, you know, like as far as Dungeons and Dragons goes. So I loved stuff like that. Hmm. Something to think of. Any other games we played recently? Couple no, we ways. played Call of Cthulhu. Did was that since was... the last time we did an episode? We played a Call of oh, Cthulhu game. Yeah, that, that was, was fun. Up. That was pretty messed up, actually. Pretty, yeah, we teamworked that <sighs> messed up. Hey, any of you, we don't need to get into the details of this, but if you've played Call of Cthulhu, things get dark, and Gretchen and I might have been exploring the possibility of sacrificing. Exploring? A... We were well in the way. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, since I knew it was a one-off, I was putting my character in all sorts of danger I don't normally put my characters in. and uh... That is kind of a fun thing about one-offs, though, right? It's like you don't... I don't know, you can explore things you wouldn't ordinarily and take some chances. Mm -hmm. And because it's fun. I mean, and also I kind of love I, I told them this too. I kind of love when my character gets like ripped apart by some tentacle monster whenever I'm playing. I love dying in being Cthulhu. Like it's part of the game for me. Yeah, I mean somehow my character got out of it, but she's very deeply emotionally scarred somewhere across the country at this point. Oh, uh, we all got out of it, but yeah, we were we Does were anybody ever win in Cthulhu? That's my question. I kind of think in the more modern incarnations of Cthulhu games that there's more of a likelihood of survival, but I feel like my experience with Cthulhu has always been like everybody's going to die. Like it's just inevitable. <laughs> Horrifically. Yeah. And in you're going to go crazy. Insanity. <laughs> yeah, you're going to go insane, you're going to probably die. So, but anyway, that was really good. We played with that was a new GM that we played with and he he was tight pitch perfect right, yeah. he was he knew that game back and forth shout out to nick awesome job on running that game really he knew the game it was it was just very well done i i i thought he was a great game master really enjoyed playing that game so that was a lot of fun but anyway yeah i guess that was our weekend gaming if you want to talk to us about any of these games we've talked about or any other games that you've been playing lately that you just really want to share with us please feel free to send us an email at rpgs and baby makes three at gmail.com we would love to hear 
everything that you've got going on and um, and how you're navigating playing games with a little baby. Now, a little peek behind the curtain here. We were doing this podcast and we're like, oh, we don't have the baby monitor. Let's go take, let's go <laughs> grab the baby monitor because we have a baby. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's get into our big long segment we're going to be doing for this week's episode. Let's step into the common room and talk about food. There. Welcome to the common room, sitting to where you like. <sighs> That's more drink, but it works also. We're drinking coffee here as we are getting ready to talk about food here. Our it's favorite mommy topic. and daddy's little helper. It is mom. You know, we were talking about that earlier in the week. Like people say, oh, wine is mom and dad's little helper. No. Coffee. Coffee. We would all die if we didn't have coffee. I don't even, if there are, if you're a parent out there and you do not drink caffeine, like maybe not coffee. I mean, it could be soda, it could be energy drink, whatever you do, but it's impossible to be a parent, I think, without caffeine. Well, you know someone out there is doing it and they're out there and they're like, yeah, I could do it without it. Yeah. And you know what? And they they're think they're better crazy. than us. Yeah, they think they're better than us. You're not better than us out there person who's listening right now who doesn't drink caffeine. You're not better than us. They probably drink matcha or whatever. Yeah, right. Kombucha or like, who knows. Grass drink. Yeah, what is it? Um, What is that? Uh, Lemongrass shots? Oh, you're talking wheatgrass shots? Wheatgrass. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> that's supposed to give you energy. I don't know. Yeah, energy because it tastes so horrible. <sighs> your mouth is just kicking you in the butt. We're getting off on a tangent. Okay, here. yes. We're okay. Gonna, so we're going to talk about food, not Focus, this Rob, terrible drink. So we, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we're going to break this up into basically four parts. And we're going to go in chronological order. And we're going to start with Leaves from the Inn of the Last Home and its companion book, more leaves from the end of the last home. And there is a book called Lost Leaves from the End of the Last Home. And there's also more, more The leaves. History of Dragonlance, which is a very similar book. So these books, the first Leaves from the End of the Last Home came out in 1987, released by TSR before TSR became Wizards of the Coast, which became Hasbro, of course. It's edited by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, the creators of the Dragonlance world and everything that goes on with it. And it's not precisely a recipe book. It has recipes in it, but it also has songs. It has little gamey kind of things. It has fiction in it. These books are phenomenal books. Even if you're not really a Dragonlance, I think you could, you know, if you're not even using this for Dragonlance, I think you can use this stuff for anything that you would be interested in. Like it, it has these little snippets. It's very fun to read. You can just randomly pick up a book at some point and like flip to something and it might have something useful to you for your game or just for your life. So we of course are picking out the recipes here. And the Inn of the Last Home is a very famous eatery in Dragonlance, but also just in Dungeons and Dragons. It's one of those places that kind of like everybody kind of knows about, even maybe if you're not a Dragonlance fan, you might know about it. But it's a a famous inn and tavern that is built in the Valen Woods in Solis in the Dragonlance world. So it's a, um, the Valen Woods are these huge trees and it's built up in the trees and they go back to this inn over and over again in the Dragonlance books. If you're a fan, you know all about it. If you're not- Was this the inn that was featured in the Dragonlance movie? That was just the <sighs> worst piece of cinema? Could you call it cinema? The inn looked kind of it? okay, but the, everything about it was, I mean, 
Like, you're, you're thinking, okay, this could be good, and then there's this scene with Tika and her bust bouncing and everything. It was so... That movie was... Look, we're getting off on a tangent here. Yeah, like, but that's you know not what? the worst part of Think that. about when you're eating and you're drinking and you're hanging out with your friends, you get into conversations. We are right now having a conversation about probably one of the worst fantasy movies of all time. <laughs> it's unwatchable trash, okay? Oh. I know, I'm so sad. It makes me sad. The soundtrack is actually quite good. There's that. Yeah. Kiefer Sutherland is Raceland. Well, there you go. <laughs> And so, let's talk about the recipes. So, let's talk about the recipes. So, we made a few recipes from this book. We wanted to try it out. We had actually made recipes from this book previously. We made the same two recipes from this book. We made two recipes that we had before, and then we made a third. We chose one from more leaves of the end of the last home. But let's kind of just review again. This this book has a number of recipes. We chose, well, which ones should we choose, Scratch? Uh, well, the one I made the first time, but you made the second time, was the Kender Kiffles, which are awesome. Oh my gosh, they're so awesome. So they're these little pastry type things. Crescents, I would say. They're kind of crescenty. Yes, they are. Um, but just think Pop-Tart. It, yeah, so they're little pastries. They have, you put jam in them. I'll read the description here from the book. This is from page 251 of The End of the Last Home, the original book. A Kender favorite, these are also known as traveling kiffles for the fact that when the Kender cook sets the dough out to chill, it is often absentmindedly carried off by another Kender. The dough and resultant pastry may go through several households in this way until the kiffles are finally baked. As they are immediately shared with everyone in the vicinity, no one really minds. So there's <laughs> five total ingredients in this. Cream cheese, softened butter, flour, fruit preserves or jam, and cornstarch. Very simple Very recipe. Simple. Let's just go over kind of the details here. You mentioned we used wild blueberry jam. It said any jam, we used wild blueberry jam. You said, you described it as a better Pop-Tart. Yeah. I think it's a sour, what is it, the cream cheese dough. I think, I don't know, it's a crumbly, light-colored dough that just has this buttery goodness to it. I don't know, I, I, I could eat way too many of them. And the kid liked them, too. Yeah, the dough, I will say, when I was making them, turned out, it was super, super sticky. Um, so it was a little bit difficult to handle. There's a couple of other things too, like it says that, the, the recipe says makes five dozen. Well, I don't know what they're doing with the dough. Maybe they just <laughs> broke it up into much smaller pieces than I did. I made a total of 21. So I didn't even get to two dozen <laughs> with the recipe. I made a full recipe, I made 21, it said five dozen, but you know what though, they were amazing. Uh, I had to cook it a lot longer than it said. It said eight, it said 12 minutes. I took It took 18 minutes for me to cook it at 400 degrees. But like you said, they were super buttery. They were nice and flaky. You could just pick them up. The kid, like you said, Lincoln loved them. Mm -hmm. And if you don't seal them well enough, the uh, the jam will leak out. But I kind of think a little bit of that baked jam on the outside added a little extra flavor. I kind of like liked it. it. Yeah, yeah, like it was almost like if you make a mistake, it doesn't detract from it at all. It actually kind of made it a little bit better. You get that like little crusty, crispy... Mm -hmm blueberry jam flavor so anyway like if you're a parent out there you can make these and you know what i would kind of suggest is that you know this has a lot of butter this has a lot of it has flour in it and stuff like that so it's not exactly it's not a health food y'all if you want to mitigate the 
unhealthiness of it, you could use... Fresh fruit. Fresh fruit. Yeah, mm. you could. I think the crust is really pretty good. I mean, oh, yeah, if I, I could just shovel strips of that into my Oh, my hole. God. So good. Yeah, right. And, um, and also, you know, we used... A vegan butter, I guess you could say. Yeah, so we're not we, using we went with Earth Balance. Earth Earth Balance, right? So ours was a little bit healthier. And I got to tell you something. I, again, I got the nice, the high end wild blueberry jam. I wouldn't fool yourself thinking that's healthier. Healthier than than real butter? I don't know. I don't know. It's well, like it, let me just tell you, we used the, these other alternative ingredients, and it was awesome. Yeah. So I imagine with regular butter and stuff, it's really great. But anyway, really like that. Then we also made a couple of savory items. So we made Odix spiced fried potatoes. Now, if you've ever read the Dragonlance books, this is a thing. It's in like almost every single book that goes to the end of the last <laughs> home. They talk about Odix, Odix potatoes. And this is very simple. Four ingredients, one pound of potatoes, three tablespoons of butter, one half medium onion, one to two dashes of cayenne. It's as easy as you can get. Now I will say though, what's critical to this is you wanna have the iron skillet. The iron skillet is how you cook this to be right. Cause I mean like, can you just imagine like, I don't know, it just feels right. Like it looks the part. Like if you're thinking about a fantasy world or game and you're like, what are they cooking in it? Yeah, I kind of imagine an iron skillet. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. I mean, so they turned out really good. They were really easy. Now, what's interesting is later on, we're going to be talking about Heroes Feast, the official D&D cookbook. And there's another recipe for Odix spice fried potatoes, and it's different. But I kind of consider this to be the original and came out first. This book was edited by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. Heroes Feast was not. So to me, this is the recipe. So this is where I kind of look to for the recipe. Again, really good, pretty simple. I mean, sort of straightforward. But as parents, simple and straightforward is gold, <laughs> right? I mean, right? Like you want stuff to it's be easy. Yukon potato gold. Oh, yeah. But you know, um, I don't know. Lincoln liked it. We put some extra salt on there because it wasn't salty enough. We did two dashes of cayenne. We like our food a little bit spicier. We did, again, the cast iron skillet, set the temperature at medium high. It turned out really great and really loved that. So it was, uh, um, I would say, the first two recipes we tried from, the both of the recipes we tried from this book, A+. I couldn't recommend this book more. I think mm -hmm. this is just a, a terrific book. Then we tried a recipe from More Leaves, from the end of the last home, which came out quite a bit later, in actually in 2000, so Whoa. just at the end of AD&D Second Edition, beginning of Third Edition, but it's the same format as the original, the first book. It's got songs, it's got recipes, it's got stories, it's got little snippets of things that might be interesting to people who are gaming or just fans of the books. It's really a gaming book, or it could also be a you know, somebody who's just a fan of the books or really anybody who's just a fan of fantasy. I mean, it's kind of an interesting sort of thing. And we made what's called bean dip. Now, don't be a fool, because you probably think, oh, bean dip is a specific, a very, very specific thing. Like I- Pull out your tortilla chips. Right, that's what I was thinking. When I saw a bean dip, I was actually thinking, okay, I'm gonna make- Where's the queso? Yeah, exactly. But this bean dip is hummus. hummus. <laughs> it's hummus. So I'll read this little snippet, it says, this dish comes to us from the gnomes 
but the process by which they shell the peas, mash them, squeeze the lemons, mince the garlic, and chop the parsley is simply too horrific to describe and far too dangerous to try at home. Suffice to say, most human chefs can easily accomplish the task given some patience, dexterous fingers, and a food processor. <laughs> Steam power is not required. So, this book came out in 2000, it's 2021 when we're doing this podcast. I almost feel like hummus is everywhere now. It's but everywhere. I, don't, I don't know if in 20, 20 years ago it was everywhere. I don't know. That was a long time ago. I'm not a hummusologist. When I was in college, there's a lot of brain cells that just oh, disappeared God, during right. that time. But this is a pretty basic, straightforward hummus. It was super easy. Mm-hmm. It made a lot. A lot. But it was kind of just basic, straightforward. Now, yeah. Lincoln liked it. I liked it. You liked it. I ended up making some homemade pita bread oh, to go along with actually the pita goodness. bread. That's not from any of the books, but the pita ooh, bread turned out ooh, really ooh, good. <laughs> actually, mm. I like the pita bread better than the hummus. Oh my god! But uh, so it recommends good. having pita bread with this, though, although you would buy it, you know, typically buy it from the store. Although it was not that hard to make pita bread at home. But well, I for you. True, true. Um, but if you have a food processor, this is really easy. You make a lot of it. Now, hummus is very healthy. So it's a great thing to give kids. Our kid loves chickpeas. I mean. He loves them. He and loves we always chickpeas. T- he loves dipping, too. We always yep, like say yep. dip, dip, dip. And he'll dip whatever it is. So, like, it's a nice thing to make that you can have your little kid, like, dip into. So you can, like, maybe take something that isn't they, that they will eat that's not as healthy. And they'll dip it into this and put something that's got protein and vitamins in it and it's a vegetable or i guess it's a bean and one of the things i loved about this recipe though is that it had chopped parsley and a little olive oil on top it made it look really nice Mm. like it just had a nice little feel about it and then those little bites of parsley when we were eating it i kind of like that like the little bit of something in there if you go and buy hummus now at the store sometimes they'll have the kind where in the center of it it has like some Maybe ingredient. like a pine nut or something. Yeah, like pine nuts and or spiral. Maybe roasted red pepper or something. Or something. Yeah. yeah. So it had that kind of feel to it, which I thought was was good. And one of the things I think too is you could add in roasted red pepper into this, or you could like double up on the garlic or pesto. Maybe you oh, could wait, put this in recipe there. had garlic in it. Yeah. <laughs> It had two cloves of garlic, but oh, maybe we okay, could do... Oh, okay, I see what happened. So we should note here that we made these recipes exactly as written. Yeah, we, we would have changed things up quite a bit, actually. Right. We cook a lot, so we alter recipes to suit our taste a lot. But since we were doing this podcast, we decided we're going to do these recipes exa- exactly. Because we can't assume people are going to know to Even make these Even if we knew a step was like... Mm, I don't know if this is the best way to go about this. Still did it. We still did it. We still did it, followed that step. So we went along ahead and did that. But So this recipe was fine. There's a lot of other things in here that I would like to try out. I didn't really try out some of these. And they're kind of funny, uh, like Sanctions Volcano Soup or Lord Ariakas' Beef and Broccoli. If you know who Lord Ariakas is, he's like this evil warlord in the book. So I just kind of think it's funny that it's like this evil knight has like got his beef and broccoli recipe <laughs> in this book, which is funny. Um, but there's also, again, there's all these great things. There's stories. There's um, there's a description of, of a game in here. There's diagrams of the Tower of High Sorcery in Weyrith which is, I mean, a really nice resource for, you know, game masters, or even if you're not playing Dragonlance, I mean, it's like a wizard's tower there that you have access to, and it talks about it in a way that can be kind of 
suitable for almost any setting. So a lot of good material in here. Again, all for all these books, I would highly recommend. Um, this one, More Leaves from the End of the Last Home, is actually probably the cheapest and easiest to find out of the three. So, you know, you can probably pick it up 20, 25 bucks, maybe like on eBay or Amazon and stuff like that. So, you know, it's definitely, I would say, worth the cost. So anyway, let's move on to our next book. Spoiler alert. I, first of all, I really wanted to go into this supportive, it's, it's a, it's a supernatural, the official cookbook. I wanted to go in. Yes, I am a fan of the show. Uh, it is written, and the photography is both by by women. I, you know, I just naturally want to be very supportive. Right. So the full title is again the Supernatural, the official cookbook: Burgers, Pies, and Other Bites from the Road. And like, okay, if you're a fan of the television show Supernatural, and we're big fans of the Supernatural RPG. One of the things is you always see Dean eating a burger or eating pie, and it's kind of a joke, like Sam will be eating like a salad or a wrap or something along those lines, right? And they go to breakfast all the time and get like pancakes and waffles and all of this stuff. Food so, is actually a pretty important part of that show. Like there's a lot of funny bonding moments that happen. Over mm -hmm. And when I run the RPG, I always like to have like, you know, diners and bars that have like food specials i always talk about the food like i make it a part of the game because food isn't as a big part of it so like this cookbook to us as people who role play this game but really if you play any modern supernatural game like a supernatural based game and you're going into diners you're going into you know pub style bars that have pub food and things like this will give you ideas for recipes that you could have like food that you could have there it just adds a nice little element to your games you know and what not I mean? only that but this has some amazing tidbits from supernatural so if you are playing the rpg this book is actually a really great resource for little bits and pieces the book looks good too like the cover of the book and everything about the book it kind of has this americana dinery feel there's a big piece of pie on the front of it but then there's like a and knife, a knife. <laughs> yeah and you can kind of see like a journal on the cover of it so it gives you that feel of being like a the 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 americana but then also you know referencing the show mm -hmm. and as gretchen mentioned there are these really great stories. So why don't we kind of dive into one of the first things that we made here, which is the cherry pie. Now, I will say, Rob, you made the recipes from this book. I didn't actually make any. You didn't make any book. of these. That's right. That's right. I, I made I made all the recipes from here. And one of them, and, and by the way, just so you all, as we're reviewing these things, don't think that I'm, I don't know how to cook. Gretch, you can verify. I know how to cook food. I'm good at cooking food. You actually make the bulk of food in our house. So and I yeah. love cooking. And it's it's really great to, I love, I love cooking. So I made sweet cherry pie from this book. It's page 109. And it says at the top here, cherry pie, the hair metal classic by Warren is the soundtrack to Dean's dreams, literally. He once has a dream where two women, one dressed as an angel and one dressed as a demon, give him a private dance to the song. Tastes so good, make a grown man cry, the song goes. <laughs> Sweet cherry pie. This pie might not bring you to tears, but it will definitely gather everyone around the table. Fresh cherries are even better than frozen in this recipe, but if you're out of season, you can 
you'll have a hard time finding them. You can also use tart cherries and add a quarter cup more sugar. Serve with whipped cream and a healthy dose of 80s rock. So I followed the recipe exactly. Now it does say you can do fresh cherries, but in the recipe That's itself, the problem. it says five cups frozen pitted sweet cherries thawed and drained. I followed this recipe exactly. First of all, let's just, let's kind of get into this. Made the pie, not too difficult. It actually calls for a pre-made crust. So I picked up the crust. So you don't have to make the crust yourself. That's one of the big things when you're making, you know, having pies, making the crust is kind of a big part of the process. Don't it's have to do big that. part of the process. Yeah. The pie looked great, didn't it? Yeah, Coming absolutely. out of the oven. And the photos, you'll see the photos. Uh, if you tune in to our Facebook page, then you will see photos of every recipe we've made. Uh-huh. It looked great. It smelled really good. It was not hard to make. It was disgusting. It was a terrible I, pie. I think you could be nicer. You could you could put this a little bit more nicely. And don't read the quote that you have. Literally, no, no, Gretchen no, 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 said no, no, no. the following words. Aww. This is the worst pie I've ever had. Those were Gretchen's words when we okay, ate this pie. Okay, so here's the thing, though. Okay, here's here's the problem. Is the inside of the pie turned into this paste. It was like it was, a jelly paste. It, not even jelly. It was like a... A glue stick paste. It was. I wouldn't go that far. Personally. It was really chunky. You could not. I don't know. I don't know, y'all. Okay, so then I went in and I was like, "What happened here?" So I looked at some other cherry pie recipes out there, and I looked at this one, and the only thing that I can really tell that caused the problem is the addition of a half cup of flour to the filling. All other cherry pie recipes out there only call for a quarter cup of cornstarch in the filling. So what I think happened is the flour thickened it up to such a degree that it just turned it into paste. And it was very solid. Like it wasn't dripping over the edge. Like when you think of a cherry pie, like when you cut it and you see like the pie kind of dripping down the edge. Now, if you have kids and you make this, maybe they'll be fine with it because kids I don't know I, I don't peeled know. the crust off of the filling and ate the crust and and just so you don't think I made something wrong if you look at the pie that's on the front and we kind of did afterwards it shows the cherry pie that I made on the front and you can see it is kind of a solid gelatinous mm -hmm. pie yeah but you don't know that it's gonna not taste good that's gonna taste like that pasty flavor but man was it bad yeah I, I mean the photo here on the inside you can see that it's there isn't a lot of gloss to the the pie itself, to the uh, the filling, and that gloss, the loss of gloss, is because there's no moisture in it. Let's talk about a positive though here. The picture, like you mentioned, it's great. It's got this pie. There are these cassette tapes in the background. You see an ACDC cassette tape. You see a set of keys, and it's like old style keys. Like it doesn't have like one of those like key fobby things with like an unlock button. It's like very supernatural style kind of keys. It looks good. Like the, the it's a top and bottom lock keys. Yeah, yeah, it's a top yeah. top and bottom lock keys. But it just looks it it the personality of the book. It's, it's perfect. perfect. Yeah. You couldn't ask for more. Like it's exactly what you want. We read that little story there. I mean, it's like it has these little stories, so that was really good. Terrible pie. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to try something else. I'm going to make <laughs> Waldo's waffles. Now let me flip on over to Waldo's waffles here. So these are some savory waffles. 
So they're not, they weren't meant to be sweet. And, and again, just, I, I, need, I really need to say this because I feel like I'm going to be looked at as the problem here. You and I make waffles all the freaking time. At least once a week. At least once a week. We love waffles. We love, we, we love to eat waffles. Our son loves waffles. They're fun. We have a regular waffle maker and we have a Belgian waffle maker. We love waffles. So we know how to make freaking waffles. These were savory waffles, which I was thinking, okay, this sounds kind of cool. We'll do these savory waffles. There's a thousand ingredients in it, first of all. Like there's all these different, this, there's a lot of ingredients. I mean, <laughs> it was not that it was complicated. It was not that it was hard, but it was like, you know, one of those things. And any of you out there who cook, it's like you're adding, adding, adding a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. You have a thousand measuring cups all over your table. You've got a million ingredients all over the counter. You're just like, that's what the experience was. Let me read this at the top though, because it's kind of great. Waldo's Waffles. When Dean wakes up in a park in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, in regarding Dean, he has no idea where he is and or why he's there. He does, though, know what he wants for breakfast. I'm starving. How do you feel about waffles? Dean asks when he calls Sam to get picked up. Dumb question, right? What psycho doesn't love waffles? <laughs> Great quote from the book. From the, from Not the these psychos. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> it's um. It's, it's a great quote from the show. It's funny, you know, entertaining. And it goes on, you know, to tell a little bit more about that. It has some pictures here about, like, a little bit of a story from when they were their childhood in there. Great stuff. It sounds good. So, like, here's some of the ingredients. And it says, like, onion powder, eggs, of course, cheddar cheese, scallions, bacon. I did substitute veggie bacon because our child is a vegetarian and so we give him veggie bacon but i mean that shouldn't that and that is not I think, the reason i think real bacon would have added a, a better flavor profile i think you might but be right about but as i said before that shouldn't carry the recipe if okay bacon's delicious we all know bacon is delicious right <laughs> bacon is good no matter what so like it's kind of like a cheat Mm -hmm. So if the food requires it to taste good by having bacon flavor, then you've kind of failed. Like, it, it needs to not have... Bacon can't be the reason why something tastes good. Right. You know, so anyway, made this recipe. Looked great. Smelled really good. Just did not taste very good. Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> it didn't taste very good. You described it as tasting almost fishy. Yeah, I think maybe that had something to do with the onion powder, which just seems weird. Like, that shouldn't... I don't know. I really don't know. I really wanted to like this. I really wanted to like this recipe, because I like savory waffles. I do, too. And so... And I, I kind of put this quote, this description of moist, but somehow dry. Like, it wasn't that they weren't moist in eating them, but, like, it almost made my mouth feel dry when I was eating it. Like, there's something about it that, like, it just didn't mesh in my mouth very well. Now, we like sweet and savory together, so the first time we had these, we went on ahead and had uh, maple syrup with them, and then because, you know, you always make more than you need, we decided, Rob decided to try making a breakfast sandwich. Okay, wait. Let's take a step back, though. It specifically says butter and maple syrup for serving. So we made the recipe exactly as it planned with maple syrup. It's meant to be served. And by the way, we are snobs about waffles. We buy, literally, we have maple syrup sent to us from Vermont, because we Maine. from Maine, because we love maple syrup so much. We want 
really good maple syrup. Like it's one from, of our from a vendor on Etsy. <laughs> literally, a family farm. Yes. <laughs> so we have like the best syrup that you can imagine. So like the waffles, come on, man. But yeah, so it said. The savory waffles are so delicious that you want to order two plates of them. And the good news is that these bacon, cheddar, and scallion beauties are versatile enough to have for breakfast or for dinner as a side dish. The best way to eat them, though, in place of bread on a sandwich. So I made burgers, and I did veggie burger and an egg, a fried egg, and I use this as the sandwich. And this says, try them with leftover beer chicken, page 81, and some melted brie. I don't know that brie and cheddar make a good mix together. I think this would not have been a good, that would not have been a good combination, mm -hmm. I don't think either. But that sandwich did, it did work better as a sandwich, a savory sandwich, but also just like. That still had the fishiness to it. I, I don't know. It was I, weird. It was weird. I, I think I liked them better than you did, but uh, yeah, uh, not good. So. Did Great. can eat them? I don't remember. Mm, he ate some of them, but he's like a child and will just eat stuff sometimes, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't think he loved them in particular. So, two out of three. So then we're like, okay. So then we're like, okay, we're going to make more stuff. We made two more things. So the Waldo's Waffles used milk. We don't generally have regular milk in our house, but we had leftover milk, so I thought, okay. I'll make the pudding recipe from this. Pudding! Pudding! And it's actually pudding exclamation point. Pudding. At first, Dean thinks Sam's idea of getting themselves admitted to a mental hospital in Sam interrupted to help fellow hunter Martin is a crazy idea. All right, Nurse Ratched, he says to the nurse giving him his entrance exam. I've seen Cuckoo's Nest, so don't try any of your soul-crushing authoritarian crap on me. But in no time, he's acting the part. When a staff member catches the brothers investigating a body in the morgue, Dean stages the distraction, dropping his pants, and yelling, pudding. <laughs> so, an iconic, scene. <laughs> an iconic scene, a funny scene. There's a picture of Sam here. There's a picture of the pudding in bowls here. It looks pretty good. The picture looks pretty good. And that's exactly how it looked. It actually did look exactly like this. Okay, now let's, I got to use leftover ingredients. It was easy enough to make we didn't have our own brown sugar, so I had to make brown sugar with molasses and regular sugar. Not a big deal. Which though. we do all the time. Yeah, we do it all the time. I refuse so I to buy it. brown sugar. The texture turned out, I thought, was really good. Mm -hmm. It was. It's not a really beautiful color. No. It's kind of a brownish color, but it's supposed to taste like butterscotch. It didn't taste like butterscotch. It did not taste like butterscotch. I wouldn't say the flavor was bad. It was not something... It, it wasn't unappealing, but it was not butterscotch. In, in comparison to the other recipes we had made, this was like a hundred times win. You know what I mean? <laughs> because we had had such bad luck with the previous recipes that we were like, okay. Again, though, it was easy. Did Lincoln have any of this? No. We didn't even give Lincoln any of it, so he doesn't get the... We don't know how it would work on your family. I'm sure that they would like it just fine. <sighs> Definitely, I'm not buying this book so I can make pudding, though. No. Not enough. So we, it was kind of a leftover extra thing. It did not make butterscotch pudding. It made pudding that was more kind of, I would almost say vanilla-y. There is vanilla extract in it. It kind of tasted more vanilla-y than anything. But it was good. It was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I wish I could say we were done. But we're not. <laughs> There's one more recipe. One mm. more. I made... Which we did for the Super Bowl. So this was the first recipe we did. Yeah, this is the first recipe we did. It was for 
Buffalo cauliflower. So I don't know about you all, but I actually love buffalo cauliflower. I, I think it's delicious. Crazy and, about it. Yeah, and so and I and, and Gretchen and I aren't vegetarians, but we mostly eat vegetarian. We will eat regular wings, but I actually love buffalo cauliflower. Mm -hmm. I think it's so good. So this there's lots of different ways you can make buffalo cauliflower. This one in particular was it made you make a batter, dip it in to that batter and then bake it. We've talked a lot a long time about this book already. Not good. Again, not good. It didn't come out crispy. It was especially mushy where you had to pour the sauce on it. The batter was runny. So it made these puddles of batter all over the... Yeah, so when you baked them, it was basically a lump of cauliflower in a puddle of batter that was mostly cooked but also mushy. And the, the batter didn't really add anything either. So, like, it wasn't a flavorful batter. Mm -mm. We used our favorite wing sauce, so the wing, it tasted good because it was the wing sauce tasted good. But, like, if you're making... Like, in my opinion, if for these this recipe to be good, you need to be able to eat it without the sauce and say that tastes really good. Yeah. And because then you're like, because it of course if the sauce is delicious, of course the sauce tastes good. It needs to be like on its own it needs to be good. And also like it's called healthy buffalo cauliflower, but when you batter dip it, it's not healthy anymore. Mm -mm. Just because you bake it, it's better. It's healthier. You're not like frying it, but. I have a sad. I have a sad too. So we're gonna close the book. We're gonna close on the this sad one, book. and just say the supernatural cookbook, the supernatural, the official cookbook, burgers, pies, and other bites from the road. Great stories, great pictures, terrible food. Not a good book if you want to make food for your family. I mean, I bet you there's like lots of other sort of like burgers and fry kind of books out there cookbooks out there that you could like substitute and mimic what supernatural has going for it yep. without actually using this specific book and you'd probably end up a lot better so thumbs down on that one let's move on over to heroes feast mm -hmm. the official dnd cookbook this is a relatively recent book beautiful photography the whole design of it is just completely beautiful. I, I, I love this book. I mean, I love the look of it. So this book came out in 2020. It was not expensive. I don't remember exactly how much it was. It was maybe, it was. It says the cover price is $35. I think I spent 15 on this book. Um, right now you can get it for $23, essentially. We're looking at it on a place like, you know, Amazon or something like that. As Gretchen said, it is, it's a beautiful book. It is an absolutely beautiful book, high production value, incredible photos, lots of great research too about places within the D&D world that people might know of. And then they have quotes from like celebrities who love D&D and from creators who love, you know, who have done stuff in the past. Like Margaret Weiss has some quotes in here, quotes from books that have come out, Dungeons and Dragons, like novels and things like that. Out of the, all the books that we looked at, this is the highest production value, highest, beautiful color photos. The images of the food are, I mean, like it makes you want to eat the food. And they're like done in a style that makes them look like you're eating them 
in some fantasy world. You know, it, it's, which is, it, it, I mean, it's just beautiful. I love it. And um, there's a wide, range, wide variety of recipes in here. And the way that they break it up is they put it into different races. So there's like human cuisine, elven cuisine, dwarven, halfling, uncommon cuisine, elixirs and ales. And there's even an afterwards section playing with your food, changing up the recipes to sort of fit your specific style. So we, we kind of bounced around through this book. We did two entrees and one dessert, and we started with the halfling cookies. Now, Gretchen, you made this one. Talk about a bit about that. Yeah, those. so I really liked the uh, some aspects of the halfling cookies. I thought it had crispy edges, the soft interior, which I really enjoyed. The batter was wet, so they spread a little bit more than I liked. I would probably, you know, like I said, we all, we would make some modifications to these um, if we weren't following the instructions to a T, but uh, so it spread more than I like. I really like a kick of salt on my cookies. I really feel like it kind of jazzes up the flavor and that's one thing that I feel like this was missed. But this recipe basically used uh, oatmeal, chocolate chips, and the other, the unusual ingredient was butterscotch chips. So it was a very easy recipe to make. Something that I think would be very important to note here, which wasn't in the instructions, is don't overmix and I think that was part of the problem with it being runny is you really don't want to overmix your cookie dough. But it made a ton of them, made 49 cookies. <laughs> awesome, yeah, that's great. Now, it took just over an hour from start to finish, so I, you know, they cooked very quickly, which was good. Um, and Ate them for days, by the way. Yeah. Now, just so, you're, so we're clear here, they're actually called halfling oatmeal sweet nibbles is what they're specifically called in the book. Okay. Great, um, and uh, yeah, I, you know, it was um, it was pretty good. I, you know, Rob didn't really notice the butterscotch flavor, but I did. And Very small. I could taste it, but just wasn't like that strong to me. I think something that would have really kind of hit both the world for me would have been uh, toffee. Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, I think that you can make that alteration really easily. I want to mention the photo for that's included with this because it looks. Like, I want this. There's a plate of cookies on sort of like a pewter plate on top of a little wooden stool. And there's a little small cup of coffee or tea. And in the background, there's a fire... Tarbine tea. Tarbine tea, right? From the Dragonlance, they call it tarbine tea rather than coffee. There's a lute leaning up against a, a table in the back. There's a, a kettle. There's a fire in the hearth. And the, and the background stuff is kind of out of focus it just looks like i just want this scene like doesn't it feel so cozy like i mean i know where you're listening to this out there and it's starting to get warm and summery and stuff like that but in the winter like i this is this is the life i want right here a cookie i want a plate of cookies and a hot drink and a fireplace right yeah that sounds like your happy place it's, it's totally my happy place and it's like <laughs> you're eating these halfling cookies and it kind of makes it fun now unlike the you know, when we were talking about the end of the leaves of the last home, this particular one doesn't have a story, but many of the recipes in here do have a story associated with them. But this is more about like halflings in general. So there isn't a specific story, but if it references a specific place, a lot of times they will have a story or a quote or something along with it. But I, I, th I liked these a lot and Lincoln loved them. Yes, yes, there's some cute photos of Lincoln trying to uh, grab a cookie. Let's be real cute, though. I mean, if you're out there and you have kids, your kids are going to love cookies. 
You know what I mean? So, but then, like, you know what I kind of love about this sort of stuff? It's like, like maybe you have a kid and you want to, like, get them into, you know, slowly indoctrinate them into playing, into gaming as they get older. <laughs> like, what a better way than being like, hey, the cookies, the halfling cookies from the D&D cookbook. Isn't D&D so cool? I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing, yeah. <laughs> get, get, get to them through their stomach. So that was a great recipe. Let's go into the next one. Drow mushroom steaks. Oh. These turned out really good. Oh um, my god. So this again was from the elven cuisine section. And we, you know, we actually didn't end up making any of the, any of the meat dishes from this book. So made the drow mushroom steaks. I'm just going to say it again. Awesome photograph. I love it. If you know Drow, if there's like this, it's this black plate with these dark black mushrooms. There's this curved blade. There's a black candle that's burning down. The wax is melting. And then there's like this skull amulet. And there's a, um, a little purple glowing vial like next to it. It just feels very Drow-ish, dark elf. And it was just kind of cool. And it says, a delicacy of the great underdark city of spiders, Menzo Berenzen. These seasoned ripple bark mushroom steaks are harvested fresh from the fungi fields near Lake Donagarden. And then it goes on to sort of have a little bit more description there. Now, easy to make. You basically allow it to marinate for about 15 minutes. I might have marinated a little bit longer, but I think I pretty much did 15 minutes. The cookies on the grill... They were meaty and oh, man, savory. They, were so they had that sort of smoky, crispy, charred mm -hmm, flavor. Mm -hmm. I mean, it tasted almost like a steak to me. Like it was, yeah. it was yeah. really like I mean, like a meat steak, like a high-end meat steak. And the kid loved them. Kid loved them. They had that tanginess from the balsamic that was in it. That was like, oh my god, this was so good. The only criticism I'd have, and this is the big problem, is that we live next to a Whole Foods. So we would prefer to shop at a cheaper grocery store, but sometimes, like, as a parent, you understand this. Like, you just go where it's convenient. Like, you're just trying to hold on for dear life and survival. Please, God, save me. So I spent $12 on the mushrooms. Okay, How so, many like, mushrooms? Was it four mushrooms? I think it was four mushrooms. I, it was five. One five? of the packs had three. Oh, so I got five big mushrooms they're large portobello mushrooms this actually called for six but i couldn't bring myself to spend another six dollars to get another package of these <laughs> but it turned out really good and the kid loved them it was super easy and you know what mushroom like that's so healthy like this recipe is super healthy lemon juice balsamic vinegar thyme leaves kosher salt black powder not black black powder <laughs> black pepper some olive oil for the cooking and then there's these mushroom caps so like it was a nice, healthy meal. We, we we ate it all. We didn't. There was nothing left over mm -hmm. afterwards. The kid liked it. We we loved it. And so, you know, if you're looking for something that's like healthy and different, like this was a perfect, I think, a perfect choice. So, yeah. really great photos, great little story here. Definitely recommend that. And then finally, here again, this is one of the ones that you know, I made all the recipes here. Bangers and smash. This is a dwarven recipe. Oh, I loved this one. This was. This is like right up my alley, isn't it? It is. This it is. is potatoes so... and sausage. Sausage and potatoes. And um, this book is... I will say this. You're hearing some pauses during this conversation. It's not super user-friendly to figure out where things are. I will tell you that. That'd be a very minor um, complaint about it. But 
the bangers and smash recipe. Oh my god, okay. So basically, it's a recipe that includes, like Gretchen said, it's got sausage, it's got leeks in it, which is, you might... I don't know how many people are using leeks a lot, but I thought it was leeks were delicious. Mm -hmm. Cherry tomatoes and potatoes. Now, the sausage, the tomatoes, and the leeks all turned out great. I no, nothing to say there. All great, really great. But those potatoes were a freaking revelation. <laughs> So the recipe, let me read this really quick. Nothing makes a dwarf stand quite so tall in the morning as a breakfast platter steaming with sausages and smashed baby potatoes. These traditional sausages are sheet pan baked with succulent tomatoes that soak up the juices and practically polymorph into a meat themselves. Dwarven smiths are known to keep their bangers and smash warm all morning in an iron skillet that rests atop their furnace so they can pluck a fork into it and satisfy their appetites without straying too far from their duties. So the the smash comes from the potatoes. You cook the potatoes for a while, like until they're basically done, and then you smash them down with the bottom of a glass to one inch thick potato patty things, I guess. And those parts became really crispy and the middle, and we use Yukon Gold Potatoes, which it recommended, the middle was like smooth, buttery, soft, like mashed potatoes, and the outside was like crispy, and then it picked up all the juices from the other stuff that was on the platter. It was so good. Now, we should say we used vegetarian sausage. We did. Um, so it was a lot less salty, but it was it was good. It was good. Yeah, and um, it made a ton of food. It You end up cooking everything on the same, we use the baking sheet for this. It filled up the entire baking sheet as you're kind of doing it in, and the instructions will tell you like, scoot it over to one half and one third and put this in there and put that in there and put this on top and do all of that. And so you end up making a ton of it. It is kind of labor intensive because after you do the initial baking of the potatoes for the first 40 minutes of the recipe, from then on, you're adding stuff and moving stuff around, and you kind of just like have to hang out in the kitchen with it. It's not that it was hard. It's not. It's not a difficult recipe, but it is one that you have to kind of pay attention to. But again, it makes a lot of food. So, like, parents out there, you know this. Nothing is better than when you make a meal that everybody loves, that is still good the next day, and you can have it <laughs> for lunch. So you skip having to make one meal. And this was. I would say this could feed a family of four at dinner and then have a family of four lunch the next day mm -hmm. and you'd be fine and you'd have a lot of food. And again, leeks, potatoes, we did veggie sausage and tomatoes. So like even if, if you're using regular sausage, maybe it's a little less healthy, but leeks, potatoes and cherry tomatoes, yeah. like you're getting healthy, you're getting your kid healthy food. It tasted awesome. Yeah, it was really good. And, uh, and again, really simple. Another amazing picture here. The food is sitting in this iron skillet as is described. And there's like a um, old timey looking wooden handled fork and it just looks awesome. And it's on this super cut up cutting board, I guess you could say that it's sitting on. Banged up. Banged up. There's like a piece of <laughs> chain kind of coming off the side. I don't know why that chain is there, but it's got a little tanker next to it. I mean, it just looks like, oh God, you want this. So all in all, I think this was a win. This book was, I thought, was absolutely a win. Um, very much recommend this book. Uh, a lot of fun, and and uh, you know, it's kind of cool too because you know, it's funny because we don't like D and D and role playing in general is definitely considered to be like 
a niche thing, you're, you're, you're nerdy even, or maybe you're kind of an outcast. But this book kind of brings it to, like, it's cool. Like, there's, they're quoting celebrities in here, you know what I mean? Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine is quoted on the back of the book. You know what I mean? So, like, it's it's got the, and, and the book looks great. I mean, it looks like, from the outside, it fit nicely on our shelves. It's a nice, kind of heavy book. The In total, there's just about over 200 pages. Um, again, illustrations galore, beautiful illustrations. I mean, you could even take these pictures and, like, you know, snap them up for your for your games and use them as like here's what you're served or whatever you mm-hmm. can kind of integrate this into your games and uh and so i think it was a really great book and an inexpensive book and the cover image here is is wonderfully the sort of inclusive and it has all these different types of characters on the front good stuff so definitely recommend that book Win. <sighs> now last, to our but not least definitely not least in fact i would say best this was my favorite of the supplements this is recipe for adventure it was delivered in late 2020 or maybe early 2021. I can't remember. I know, you know, late 2020. All right. So Recipe for Adventure <laughs> is, a, is a set of 30 cards with recipes on them. They're oversized cards. In fact, they're like, I guess you might say five by seven cards. We did an unboxing of these in our on our YouTube channel, RPGs and Baby Makes 3 on our YouTube channel, which you can see if you kind of want to get a sense of what they look like and everything like that. But again, it's 30 recipes and they're on these sort of laminated cards. So it's great. You can put the recipe out. It won't get destroyed by like all getting all food and stuff all over. So that's great. On one side is a recipe with a little story on it. And on the other side is a little mini encounter slash adventure that you can do. So we chose four of the recipes on here. Let's start with the peasant bread. Okay, so I'm not very good with bread unless it's made in a Dutch oven. And the peasant bread is in fact made in a Dutch oven. So uh, I was very used to making bread in this fashion. And something I really liked about it Really straightforward, very easy to do, but something that I haven't done before was uh, added garlic. The garlic Mm. was actually baked in a cast iron skillet, and uh, it was roasted. It was good. It was, Mm. and I was actually a little worried because when I add garlic to a recipe, it's double or nothing. Um, By the way, y'all, if you want your house to smell freaking amazing, this is the (laughs) recipe for you. But I followed the instructions, well, okay, to the best of my ability. And it actually was a perfect amount of garlic because when it all mixes into the bread, the the flavor just kind of permeates everything. Mm-hmm. And I was worried that I would be missing out on some of the garlic flavor. That did not happen. It was no, it was actually, garlicky. It was great. Um, I think one of the problems was maybe I was a tired parent and I might have mismeasured by too little flour or too much water. I'm not really sure because the dough was very, very, very wet. So I had to keep adding flour until it got to the correct consistency. Uh, So I mean, ideally I will make this again, maybe do an update on a later episode to see if it was just me being an exhausted parent or if there's some weird measurements. Looking at the ingredients as they're listed on the card though, Gretch, which as somebody, you make this, you make bread in the cast iron 
are in the Dutch oven a lot. By the way, if you if you're out there listening and you have not made bread in a Dutch oven before, it's it's so remarkably it's not like fail foolproof, but it's close and it makes awesome awesome bread. What a little hack that is. So it is. It's would yeah. you say this looks like right the the rest because everything else is well we'll get into the other details, but does this, this kind of look the part? Do you think maybe you missed something? I mean, the recipe seems about right. Um, so I think maybe I just was tired and maybe just didn't add enough flour or too much water. I think that's just probably right. So we're going to kind of assume that the recipe was probably is probably correct. And so on this is peasant bread. So on the other side of it is in an hunting shed, which has is haunted by an evil spirit. An angry spirit. Angry spirit. Even better. Yeah, so... It doesn't have to be evil if it's angry. Right. So <laughs> there's there's a connection between the food and the little adventure. And there's a little map. This is for 5th edition. It's specifically meant for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. But I will get into the one that I adapted for our game. Mm-hmm. An AD&D 2nd edition adventure, which worked out just fine. There's a little map. There's a little snippet of information there. And there's a creature. Yep. Stats for it's a creature, great. and it was—it's the food was. Oh, God, I love that bread. I love that it's, bread. It's really, really, really well really done. Good. Let's get into one that I made, but you pointed out to me this was a few coins more. So this is a. I'll read this here. It says adventurers are always in search of coin. These might not be what they had in mind, but after a taste, they won't complain. So it's a, basically cheese, cheddar cracker, cheddar crackers. Yeah, thick cheddar crackers mm-hmm. is what I would say. So basically mix up all these cheese things. You make a giant log that you freeze and you cut into slices. Now, you're supposed to put it in the <laughs> freezer for an hour, which would make it not solidly frozen. It would make it cold, mostly frozen, but not solidly frozen. Now, but I think this is okay because you're, if you're out there, you're a parent. I wasn't able to get back to it after I put it in the freezer. So I left it in the freezer overnight and did not cook it until the next day. So it was very frozen. And what you do is you make this long log and then you slice the log into the coins and then you cook them. It was too frozen. So when the first couple of slices, it was very brittle and it was falling apart. So I had to microwave it to thaw it slightly and then start cutting it. So I will give that caveat that that was a part of the process that I didn't quite execute the instructions exactly as it said. That being said, you did it to the best of your ability. I did it the best of my parenting ability. There you go. Which I think, which is most of our listeners out there are doing the best of their parenting. God, we're ability. trying, aren't we? And not even just parents. We're all just trying. All of us. We all. You're try. doing great. If you're, you're listening to this, you're doing great. You made it. You made it this far. Congratulations. An hour and twenty minutes of your life, and you're it's succeeding. Gone. <laughs> No, I mean, they're, they're, you, you made it another hour and a half. This is a positive, uplifting show, Gretch. I love it, though. I mean, again. what did you think, though? I think they turned out good. Yeah, they're quite good. They made a lot of them, too, and Lincoln liked them. Mm-hmm. Um, powerful flavor. Like, very flavorful. Yeah, very cheddar Yeah. Cheddar, Parmesan in it, um, garlic powder, salts, uh, and then butter, flour, cornstarch. So, I mean, you know, and you can, it as an option to add some spice of paprika or cayenne pepper. I did not add that because, again, I wanted to go with the most base instructions. And also, I, we didn't want to spice it up for our kid. You know, I wanted him to be able to eat He's them He's got to learn one day. 
He will, and I was actually thinking that that would probably, it's, it was only a quarter teaspoon of paprika yeah, and a quarter teaspoon of cayenne pepper, so not so much, so I thought he could probably handle it, but I decided to pass up on that and just do the basic recipe here. It, they looked good too. They yeah, ended up looking nice. pretty cool, you know, like little like golden coins. And um, I will say I did have to bake them for a little bit longer than the recipe specifically called for, but they turned out really great. On the other side is the Necromancer's Lab. And the monster with the Necromancer's Lab is <laughs> a cheddar cheese golem. It's <laughs> a delicious monster. Now, you might not... I, Sometimes people don't like silly stuff like this, but this, you know, given that there's 30 cards, no, no problem in my this mind. This is perfect for a dad. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's really cheesy. That's, that's literally what the card says. Did it really? Yeah. Oh, wow, that's really cheesy. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> so the cheese golem here. And I would I should also say each one of these cards has a, uh, a CR on it, so it tells you what the challenge rating is on the card as well for 5th edition, so you kind of know what level to expect your your adventurers to be able to handle um, when they're doing this. So anyway, let's move on to the next card here. Gretch, this is oh, this, this one is you also favorite. this one turned out awesome. Yeah. This, this, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this recipe is called White Cap and it's rice and milk. Uh it's basically horchata. Yeah, it's it's horchata. It's it's amazing. Uh it was very easy to make. It, there was good cinnamon flavor to it. Uh, there was a good level of sugar, but not too much. Super refreshing. Like Super it refreshing, tasted yeah. tasted like, I was like, oh my god, like, oh, so quenching. Yep, it combines whole milk and almond milk. Uh, I think next time, we just happened to have milk left over from the pudding. Mm -hmm. Normally I wouldn't make it with regular milk because I think milk is disgusting. Uh, so I would go all coconut and almond milk next time, but it was just, it was really great. And we had leftover brown sugar from the pudding recipe as well. Uh, the, one of the great things about this recipe is you're left with a lot of rice pulp. So oh, yeah. a great thing to do is just go on ahead and turn that into some rice pudding. And, uh, which I loved. Which, yeah, I loved too. It was great. I actually did a cheater's rice pudding. I just basically put some flavored hazelnut coffee creamer in it and called it a day. But that's great. Whenever you can come up with, like, you can do that. Again, you know, parents, we want to, like, cut corners whenever we can to make something else mm -hmm. with, like, leftovers or whatever. Yeah. And that was really great. I like this. I just noticed this for the first time at the bottom. It says, ask for seasick trip at the... Mainsail Tavern in Everblue. He makes the best white cap I've ever had. I thought that's kind of cool because it's like a little tiny adventure seed. Yeah. And on the other side, there's an there's a uh, a shipwreck. Um, yeah, adventure. But it was good. And Lincoln really. Oh, God, okay, so this is it. the quote that I put down for Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln loved it like a lot. Eyebrows shot up when he had the first sip, and he looked off into the distance like there was a unicorn on a hill waiting to him. <laughs> I have never seen this child mystified quite like this. He just, he actually just paused and looked into the distance as it hit his brain and just suddenly, oh my God, what is this? Cinnamony, delicious. It was, so, that was really good. I, I, I would agree. I thought that was uh, tremendously good, and and I mean, I, I yeah. I, and it says here, I brought you out a cold glass of horchata while you were playing a D and D game. I was literally playing my the Krakenheim AD and D Second Edition game on a Friday, and you made it, and I was sitting out there role playing, and you brought me this cold glass of of white cap, and it was like, 
is this is there anything better like how cool was that it was so amazing so, so huge win in my book yeah totally really you you won recipe. you won life at that time uh so good job good job Gretch. i appreciate it sweet lastly is brain fry which is this is basically baked cauliflower dish so we made this for the super bowl along with the buffalo cauliflower that we made from the supernatural cookbook Night and day. This stuff was oh amazing. God, I could eat that nonstop. Let me oh. read this. So in all my years of adventuring, I have never tasted anything quite like cavern brain flour. I suggest you try them sometimes, but since they are quite rare, we can use cauliflower for the re this recipe at least this once. After all, cauliflower is a wonderful vegetable as well packed with healthy nutrients. And this way you won't risk poisoning yourself with ill-prepared brain flour. So it's cauliflower, butter, Parmesan cheese, paprika, salt and pepper, baked. Dude, I would make this over and over again. Oh my God. It was so good. It was like- So good. Flavorful, like- Tender, it, oh, very tender. But it had those little crispy, mm -hmm. like end pieces and stuff. This is the kind of vegetable that you can get your kid to eat. Yeah, Lincoln loved it. Oh, Lincoln he loved, loved it. Loved it. And it's it's like you want your kid to eat vegetables, man. Throw this in there, and you're and you can also like play it up with them. Oh, look, we're having brain fry tonight. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's brains. You know, you can kind of make it a fun <laughs> thing for kids. You know what I mean? It's like that's kind of fun, and it's kind of an interesting little sort of snippet there that you can, I don't know, kind of throw in there. But I loved it, and it was it was kind of a perfect salve after having had the bad buffalo oh, cauliflower from yeah. the supernatural thing. But so what was cool though too is with this one, I actually ran the adventure that <laughs> yeah, was on the did. other side. I secretly did this. killed Addie. <laughs> on the other side is the underground lake. So it was a little dungeon. It was meant for the underdark, but I actually had it as just sort of an underground flooded cave. Five heads are better than one. So it was an aquatic hydra. I did some alterations of this hydra because this is a fifth edition card here, but it was a second edition, AD&D second edition game. The challenge rating was eight. My players are about eighth level on average. So it actually kind of worked out just right. And I changed some of the map a little bit. So that way that it wouldn't, you know, be too much, but I did actually have an area where there were these mushrooms growing. Yeah, right? a little side thing. And you had to. We had to collect capture, mushrooms and collect flowers. And collect flowers in order to create the potion. And murder Addy. And one of the characters did end up dying, but it was a really fun little thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Like it was a little fun side quest, and I totally took it from this. I had to do no prep work except for to manipulate the map slightly. I enjoyed the tick tick through uh, a loaf of stale bread into the lake to get the hydra to move yeah and they didn't end up defeating the hydra because it was too powerful for them but they kind of circumvented the hydra got what they needed and got out of there and then revived their companion who had died but it was like a really cool thing so it says if you venture into the underdark you may find that food is a source of trouble much of the flora is poisonous and safe delectables can be scarce some of the best edible cave flowers grow near water. Unfortunately, clean fresh water often attracts predators. <laughs> so it was a that was a little fun little adventure that we could play along and I made the food and it was just kind of cool. So finalizing the recipe for adventures, we did four of the recipes on here. All of them winners. All of them were good. This is 30 bucks, so it's not cheap. 
from the people who made RPG Crate. But man, what a win. Yeah. I think this was such a win. Really good. And I'm always looking for things that can make my life easier as a game master. This fits totally into that. And I love food. So it was really fun. We're getting vaccines now. We might be getting back together soon. All of these books are a great way to invite your friends back into your home or wherever you game by bringing out food for them to enjoy while you're playing the game. Yep. It was great. It was great. So I really was, enjoyed this. I, you know, I this hopefully this isn't a boring episode because we're just talking about food and recipes. But, you know, I, I feel like, and Rob and I have talked about this many times, food brings us together. It's part of the reason we game. We bond over food. We bond over adventures, stories. And I think this is a really important aspect to having your group. And these offer some great little tidbits to help bulk up... Uh, to help beef up your adventures. Uh, <laughs> we can't go an episode without mentioning We didn't it, say it last time, but yeah. We didn't? No, I, mm-hmm. I realized it after the fact. Man, all right. Well, you got to beef up your adventures somehow. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, and, and I think like even if you're not making these recipes too, I think like, oh, I'm just going to do it. It can add flavor to your games. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's But in, in all seriousness, like if you go, if you have, if you're playing a a game, you're running a game, whether it be D&D or a, a fantasy game or a modern day game, like Supernatural, like we're talking about this, or a sci-fi game, whatever it is. Or Troika. Or Troika. <laughs> Troika, <laughs> you can put any kind of, it could be who knows. It could be anything. Is it not more interesting when you go into the tavern and like as a game master, you can describe like what the food is bringing out to the, pa- the table, what the drink is. like. What if you're you're they're getting served a white cap? You know what I mean. Or there's you're in some dwarven hold and you go and they make the the bangers and smashes brought out to the table. Or like cook up these drow mushroom steaks. You know I mean like it makes it makes the game more interesting even if you're not cooking the recipes. And when you cook the recipes, it's like you're engaging in your role playing stuff in a way that's just really fun and mm-hmm. it also benefits your family. Yeah. You know like it's good you cooking. As, and, and I don't know how many of you out there with your kids cook, but it's such a great thing to do with our kid. I mean, we love cooking with him, and he learns so much. He gets I mean, engaged. That kitchen gets insane. It's a disaster. Right now, though. It's it, but but think about that. It's but like, we're teaching him valuable life skills. Yeah, and bonding with him and letting him explore food and taste. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun. And so yeah, I I recommend all of these things and. Uh, and, you know, well, actually, I can't recommend the Supernatural cookbook. <laughs> but, uh, well, I mean, if you're a big fan of Supernatural, you'll get enjoyment out of it. Because yeah. it'll have it all those stories, stories and, and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, but I recommend these books for, you know, for recipes, but also for the stories and everything within. But, uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I hope that you enjoyed that. Now, if you cooked any of the recipes from these books, or you just like to do food stuff with your gaming, please send us an email at rpgsandbabymakes 3 at gmail.com let us know your stories because we'd love to hear them seriously like we love talking about food as you well know if you're a fan of this podcast so tell us what you've got going on because we'll probably read that email on the on the air unless you're just trashing us i mean it's probably i don't know we might even read that actually i probably would it'd be cathartic yeah yeah i don't want to encourage the people to send us mean emails no because we'd read the nice ones We'll read the nice ones too. So send us an email, RPGs to Baby Makes 3 at gmail.com. All right, let's wrap up this episode. All right, folks. 
You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Ah, oh, that I'm was a long stuffed. one. I'm stuffed. Oh, oh, yeah, that was you're stuffed. I'm stuffed. I ate a lot of food just now in the common room. That was a lot of food to eat. enjoyed that you know again we were talking about food it's a very um it's not going to be everybody's taste in podcast <laughs> but savor it if you will oh, <laughs> we'll be back with another delicious episode in just a couple of weeks yeah and we hope you have a great couple of weeks in gaming and if you have any questions or any episode suggestions feel free to shoot us an email at rpgs and baby makes three at gmail.com and that is the number three or you could spell out three we have them both yes and you know what? we're going to be having that episode that we promised and we teased a little bit last week in one of the next probably two episodes we're going to be having edition wars dungeons oh. and dragons edition wars and we've also spoken to a guy that we love gaming with known as two boots and he is going to come on the show too he recently finished playing his hundredth different system oh he has played God. over a hundred different games and he's an excellent role player so we want to bring him on the show to kind of talk about that we also have a upcoming snippet segment with amanda plagman that we're going to talk about theater of the mind versus battle maps and kind of get into that little debate there too. and we're so. also trying to put together an episode about um kind of gaming etiquette for your dm and also how to handle disappointment as a DM. Yes. And one last thing, too. How to use safety tools and all of that. We're going to be discussing that. Gretchen has been engaging, in particular, with the female and LGBT community of gamers. And honestly, we've been uncovering some disturbing details. And we want to talk a little bit about that. So we're going to talk about that in an upcoming episode. Thank you all for tuning in, Gretch. That was a great episode, I'd like to say. It was tasty. It was delicious. It was nom-noms. It was so good. Let's go make some food, shall we? <laughs> we'll talk to you all in a couple of weeks. Take care, y'all. RPGs and Baby Makes 3 is a production of Gretchen and Rob sitting on their couch. Email the show at rpgsandbabymakes3 at gmail.com. You can find more episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes, as well as on our free Patreon page, at patreon.com forward slash RPGs and Baby Makes 3.